Welcome to the Red Raven Games Podcast, episode 14. I'm Ryan Lockett. I'm Brenna Asplund. I'm Andrew Frick. And here we are at the Red Raven Games Studio. How are you guys doing? I'm feeling pretty good. good. So good. Good, good. So, um, what games are you guys playing? I... Oh, you know what? Actually, before we jump into that, yeah, yeah. So we were act- we were just talking about Final Fantasy because it just came out the new it's one. It's true, yeah. Just came out uh, today, I believe. Final Fantasy fifteen after yeah. all this time. Yep, yep, that's right. And it's funny because if I were in high school, you know, in high school when a new Final Fantasy came out, yeah. I was freaking out. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah, now, me too. right? Yeah. And now I'm like. Eh. <laughs> I don't know what's happened. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, I'm right there uh, with you. I remember when seven, eight, and nine came out. Yeah. Like I was like, I so day excited. one I got. Yeah, it. I played through the whole thing. My brother David is so excited about it. He's been so excited about it like for so long. Oh. And he's he's ordered it, but he got it online as like a physical disc, not as a download. So it's still going to be a few days before it gets oh, here. But ouch. Yeah, it's too bad. He's really excited about the concept of just four bros going on a road trip across the country and it's a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's good. I would love yeah. to have a return to great Final Fantasy games. Yeah. It's 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 well overdue. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, seeing the what people are saying about it, I'll probably give it a try. That's awesome. Exciting. But uh, I have to say, like, coming from when I was, like, seven playing the games to what it is now, it is so different. It it's is very over time it has changed so much. It, I feel like it's changed so much. It's got. It's like my interest in it has changed, and yeah. and, I, and I don't think it's totally me. I think it's the series. <laughs> I agree with you. The series, like, there's a lot of tropes in the series that have changed. And the musical, the music has changed. The composers they've used, down to the the way the characters look, the design of the, the clothes, the design, the aesthetic. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I it's know. cool, but it it's not. You know, I, I loved the old uh, sort of uh, aesthetic. Honestly, honestly, I think that if they had the graphical capacity that they do now back then, it would be the same aesthetic it is now. <laughs> I think the reason it's a different aesthetic was because of their graphical limitations. I don't think they had a particularly different design sense. Yeah, I know this. I know one guy has been involved since uh, Final Fantasy VII, but yeah. Uh, Designer, I mean character designer. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, what what games are you guys playing? I've been super into the new Pokemon game since we're talking about uh, new entries to old beloved series. Oh yeah. But I actually think that this game has like really reinvigorated the series in some ways. Like it's gotten rid of a lot of the sort of older, staler, like more difficult parts of the games that weren't really helping anything and like punched it up a notch. This is actually the first of the games that I've gotten super obsessed with. Like I've never gotten this into a Pokemon game before. Well, I better not have my son play it because he loves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's getting way into the cards lately because everyone mm-hmm. at school uh, loves the card game. Uh, yeah. in elementary school. Well, and I remember being his age and everyone in elementary school being super into the card game. <laughs> I so know. It's I know, like when amazing. I was a kid, it's funny because I was walking down the toy aisle uh-huh. at uh, like Target the other day and I was looking at the stuff that's popular and, like for kids and I thought, I never would have believed that Ninja Turtles, Pokemon, and Power Rangers were still yep. a thing. <laughs> <You> <laughs> we're know? still going to be the big children's properties all these years later. Yeah. 
It's yeah. funny. Yeah. It's pretty that, amazing. That sounds cool. So, um, in the game, are the is the is the basic battle system the same? The basic battle system is the same, yes, but sort of like the general progression of the game, they've changed a bit. You know, in the standard Pokemon game, it's always been gym battles, and you always go and you fight a gym, then you fight another gym, yeah, etc. It's sort of like a boss that you're going for. Yeah, Yeah, and they've kind of switched that up in this game, where instead of doing gyms, like there are no gyms at all. You, you're doing this thing called the Island Challenge, where you're going between the different islands in this like tropical chain of islands and doing these trials that are specific to different types. So they're kind of like gyms, but it's not just battling your way through a building. Mm. It's doing uh, a bunch of different things. Like this one trial I just completed for the ghost type, you had to go through this abandoned supermarket and try to take pictures of ghost Pokemon. like. Oh, and then and then battle them, but like there's, <laughs> but there's. But they some, switch up the gameplay. They switch up the gameplay, oh. and they make it kind of more fresh. And then another thing is that in previous generations, there's been moves called HMs that you teach to Pokemon that allow you to get past certain obstacles, like um, slashing through tall like trees that are in your way or breaking boulders or stuff like that. Instead of that, they've gotten rid of that altogether. You now have something called a ride pager, where throughout the game you slowly have more ride Pokemon that you can like call to help you out to get through those obstacles. Hmm. So it's gotten rid of what has, you know, jokingly been called an HM slave, which everyone would have <laughs> the one Pokemon on their team that just they only had on their team to teach all the HM moves to so that they could have someone to get past all the obstacles. You don't have to have that anymore because that's completely separated from your Pokemon team now. Cool. So, Andrew? Yeah, so let's what you, see. What have you been? I guess we'll just go around in a circle Yeah, here. Well, yeah. yeah. Good. Um, all right, so my turn. Uh, I, uh, you know, we went to Board Game Geekcon, uh couple weeks ago. Yeah. And had um, a great time. It was really fun time. Played a lot of games, met a lot of people. But, yeah, it was great know, to meet everybody that came by and said hi. It was really great to see all you guys. We had a great time. It really was. Thank you everyone. Um, you know, and I've been thinking a lot of the kind of games I've been playing. I found that are games I get a sense of an immersion or I get immersed in a game and I find those to be the most rewarding. And so I was thinking about some of the games I played this week. It's probably too many for one episode of the show. <laughs> I'm seeing your giant list here, <laughs> right? But I want to I want to focus on a couple that are ones that are that kind of meet this criteria. And so there at the show, uh, I had a chance to try a few that were really beautiful games. And I think good art in a game is one step of immersion that I like a lot. So I had a chance to play Innis, and I had a chance to pl- play a game called Dream Home, and then um, Time Stories. Uh, so Time Stories is one that. Uh, Ryan, you and I played. Yeah, and I hadn't played it, never and played it was before. one I wanted to play for a long time. I just never got got to. Until I was glad I was able to to convince you to play that one because yeah. it was a very rewarding experience. <laughs> and and those that don't know much about Time Stories, uh, it's a very immersive story game that your characters in a story trying to experience through this uh, the scenario and solve some sort of puzzle by visiting locations and. But there is a, there's a once-and-done element to it. Once you play this game, you kind of know the encounters. That's it. And that's right. it. You can't yeah. really go back. I mean, you could, but you'd, you'd have a lot of information to help you. Yeah, I think yeah. before we played, I, I, some people were like, well, you could do it again. And after playing that one scenario, I don't know. Yeah. Like, once you've completed it, you know all the secrets, you know where to go. 
it sort of ruins it. Right. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a really cool first place, but exactly. And I think maybe after a year or two, you forget. And, and, and that's and probably a again. possibility, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. If you can, you know, lend it to itself. That yeah, there is that. But I but I really found it to be very immersive and. What, it, what I attribute that to, and I'm going to talk about this in a couple of the other uh, games I mentioned, are uh, the art, very beautiful art, you know, yeah. all the components, the cards and the you know, things that you're looking at, but also it's a, very, it's a story-driven game. And a game that has story, we're just talking about Final Fantasy, we're just talking about Pokemon, right? <laughs> These are games that with story, and story in a game uh, is really something that I enjoy. I find it, we talked about the last episode, it's very, it makes it replayable, mm-hmm. uh, a game, but... I don't know. I don't know what it is about it, but I just find a sense of accomplishment when there's a good story in a game. Yeah. I mean, me too. I I think I'm drawn toward that. Like, I tend to like a lot of different types of games, but I tend to really, really like the ones that tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, And what's funny is there are lots of... I know Euro games get pegged with, like, oh, it's so dry, there's no theme. It's just mechanics, and they threw a theme on it. But I tend to really like the Euro games that try to uh, incorporate their theme as much as they can. Like th- that's why I like um, Caverna and Agricola. Yeah. I feel like everything you're doing, it's like it's part of. It, it makes sense thematically. You know, you send the guy out to get some wood, and he went and chopped the wood, and then you use the wood to build the fences. I mean, it totally makes sense. There's no like abstract. I mean, there's always some abstraction in games. Yeah. And game mechanics. Sure. Yeah. But I, I, I always appreciate it when um, there's you can tell that it went to some effort to make it work, make the theme work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've always been super into story-driven games as well. Like my earliest favorite games were the Ace Attorney series that I think is kind of similar to Time Stories where, yeah, it's a, it's a video game. Oh, I bet they are very similar. Yeah, it doesn't involve, you know, time travel, but it is that you have to piece together a mystery bit by bit and figure out how to get past it. And I think, yeah, like what you were saying, it's not necessarily super replayable, but if the story is good enough, then sometimes you might want to go back and re-experience that story, even if you know now how to get past all the obstacles because you've figured out all the secrets. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up on point-and-click adventure games, and technically those aren't replayable, but I have replayed... A bunch of those many yeah, times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Me too. That's essentially, the Ace Attorney video games are essentially point-and-click adventure games. Yeah. With, like, interspersed, like, courtroom drama, I guess. Cause, oh, like, it's yeah. Not, it's there's, like, a courtroom click. part. There's the investigation phase that's definitely point-and-click and collect evidence. And then there's the courtroom part where you have to present the evidence that you collected to, like, prove your case, basically. Uh. So it's it's not exactly your classic like LucasArts point and click adventure game, but I'd say it's along the same lines. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ryan, I'm right there with you with what you said though. You know, like those old point and click adventure games, the Monkey Islands, the Tex Murphys. Monkey Islands. I mean, I remember playing those kind of games, and just there's there's something great about those, right? Yeah. And once you knew them, now you can go solve the puzzle and. 10, 15 minutes where it took you four hours. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always, I, you know, I know some people don't like that, but I cherish that, you know, when, when you don't know the puzzle, you don't know the solution, and you have to go and think about it for a few hours, and then you come back to it, and you finally get it. It's like, yeah, this is the or best just, feeling ever. Or you just sit there, like, <laughs> 
guessing blindly doing the <laughs> trying try, every item yeah, on everything mixing exactly. them together you gotta try to connect everything to everything it's like no you cannot add this spoon and this pencil together and i'm like well why not <laughs> yeah yeah so um at uh, bgg con i took home a copy of Terra which I had wanted to try. I know that's based on um, Fauna was the right. original game. Another Freeman Freeze game. Yep, yep. And uh, took that home. Actually, so I, at Thanksgiving dinner, all the family was there, and I thought, okay, I need a game that is going to appeal to a wider audience. And it yeah. did. Yeah. My sister got into it. Uh, my cousins got into it. And we had a great time. It was awesome. fun. It's like a trivia game that's well-designed and works well with everybody right now <laughs> i know like trivial pursuit is is tough because it there's like one guy that knows everything yeah and then everyone else just sits there and loses but in if it Terra sort of fixes that right there's very few trivia games where you can play and everyone can participate because either it's the know-it-all who can answer everything right and then everyone else is losing the only other game i knew that does that so really well was uh wits and wagers and i heard that Terra is a great oh, other addition yeah. for that Trivia sure game you don't have to know trivia, but you can kind of uh, know something or have a kind of a range of you know to guess off of. The better you guess, the more points you get, the more chances you have to guess for other things. And right, so, yeah, so right, sounds cool. So, um, Brenna, in the in the game, I don't know if you've seen it, but mm-hmm. in the game there'll be like a question like that nobody knows, like what's the tallest church steeple in the world, for example. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was a question that came uh-huh. up, and everyone gets they take turns putting. Um, their player tokens on the board in different places like you can guess where it is you can guess where like how high it is and if you're close like if you're next to where it is or next to how high it is then you get points mm. if you're right on you get more points but um and you can sort of see like if some you think somebody else might know you can sort of put yours next to theirs yeah yeah, yeah. so you can it, so there's some strategy and yeah playing off the probabilities yeah yeah that does definitely sound more like like everyone can get involved in it. Wide like, appeal. If yeah. you if you just yeah. get close, then you're still getting points for it. Not exactly. like you don't know it, then you're out of the game. Right, right. And then the other game I just played uh, a few days ago was Adrenaline, and that's the uh, first person shooter Euro game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I that at what a weird mashup. How did you like that? That's interesting. I liked it. I was I was into it. I thought it was cool, thematic, and. Um, I heard from some people that it was uh, there were a lot of rules and it was hard to remember things, but I we didn't really seem to have a problem. I mean, we had that little book there to help us remember what the guns did. Right. And I was surprised how fast the turns went. Yeah. So in yeah. in in the game, you have everybody has their own figure, you know, your own crazy guy, and there's so much humor in the game. Like I remember the thing I laughed at is on the front rule page. It starts describing this like dark scene, like. There's a battle arena where everyone's there to kill each other, and then it sort of. <laughs> did you did you see I that? No, I haven't read the rules. No. Someone taught it to me. And so. then, um, yeah. like, one of the characters on the front sort of like covers it up with like a word bubble, saying, "Uh, it's just forget all that grim, grim <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's a game." <laughs> and like, you can sort of see some of the text behind it. It's hilarious. That's yeah, that's good. Uh, anyway, so yeah, the game is. It's just like. Uh, I'm trying to think. Quake. It's like Quake, 
It's like a Euro game based on... The board game uh, Frag by Steve Jackson. I heard it oh, compared that to that. Okay. But I'll tell you, I liked it a lot better. And, and and I was a little overwhelmed by all the symbology. Because we I didn't read the rules. Someone was teaching as we went. But oh. but everything was intuitive. By the end, like every gun, you could almost look at the card. Because there was no word text. It was all just image. When you saw a gun that had like a shockwave blast and started just... The impact went out and did damage... Based on that distance, you could intuitively try to you know get a sense of what the weapon was doing. And oh yeah, there were so many cool weapons. That's, yeah, that was my favorite part about it. That was cool. And and the crazy thing is, it looks like a classic American style, you know, dice chucking game, but yeah. it's not. It's a Euro game, <laughs> which is uh, new and fresh. I yeah. Thought. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the scoring and the way you do damage and such to people was all... Yeah, it's like if you do more damage to someone than anybody else, you get more points. Oh, you know, you're getting yeah, victory yeah, points, yeah. but you're getting it for shooting. So it's yeah. so it's a first-person shooter with point salad. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, another one I played, um, you know, uh, I tried to focus on the, the board games, but, you know, these immersive games, you know, I've, I mentioned Legend of Andor, Arkham Horror, the card game, ones I've been playing, and I continue to play those on my... Saturday morning group. We have a group we play every Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Wow. But it's great because... It's, that's, that's, it's crazy. I know. It's totally crazy. <laughs> but the reason we do it is, you know, we can get we do it, we play till about noon, and we get a chance to do stuff, and then by the time we're done gaming, we can do errands and help with our families, doing all the things that we need to do for Saturday, and, it's, and, and we, it doesn't interfere. So it's working. It's really nice. It's this little thing. And I hope this arrangement lasts. It might not, <laughs> yeah. but I'm enjoying it and appreciating it while we got it. But, you know, we've been doing the Arkham Horror card game. We've been doing Legend of Andor. We played the game Abyss. All beautiful games. And I think I gravitated against towards though because of the, the beauty in them. But on the other side of things, I've been playing some video games. Yeah. Right? And uh, what are the video games I'm playing? Well, this might not sound too surprising since I like immersion in games, but... Skyrim, the new special edition. Been loving it. This is my third playthrough yeah. through Skyrim <laughs> all the way through. Yeah. And I'm still feeling like it's a whole new experience just because the graphics are so beautiful. I've still never beaten Skyrim. <gasps> yeah, I have I've, not either. I've played for hours and hours and hours, and I've barely even started the main quests. I'll give it this. But I yeah. own all the houses, and I'm a thane <laughs> in every city, and all my houses are fully decorated. Those are my priorities. Well, and so the story of that's Skyrim. That's the Sims version. Of yeah, that's Skyrim. how I play. I'll, I'll, I'm also, I'm married, and I, <laughs> I do play it like Sims. Well, and that's so cool about it, because like everyone's immersive experience in Skyrim is totally different. Like You could play that same game as me, and you know maybe both of us, let's assume, didn't finish the game, yeah. We could have had a very different experience through that game. And that's amazing that the choices you make and the things you do just lead to all these different paths of, uh, of you know, of journey. Um, so anyway, Skyrim, I love it. I'm enjoying it again. The new graphics, I think, really do make a big difference for the immersive experience. The other two I've been playing a lot are um, this game I got on the Steam sale. It's called Dust and Elysium Tale. It's kind of a platformer, a side-scrolling one. And it's got great voice acting, but it's an adventure story where you're... I would compare kind of the old Castlevania ones, like the Game Boy Castlevania, where mm-hmm. you're hacking and slashing and fighting stuff, but you're leveling up, getting experience points, and then uh, buying abilities, or you're making little craft recipes, and you're completing them to make cool to sets of armor. I've seen this. He's, he's wearing kind of like the uh, a rice hat. He's like a panda or a rabbit that's got, like, you can't see his eyes, and he's got a little flying bat hat that talks to him. And, okay. Um, Is this right? new? I don't know. It's I, been around I, for I guess a while. it's been around for a couple of years. Okay. 
But what a gorgeous game. And the, the, the controls are fluid and loose, and they it reminds me of like the old Castlevanias, the Metroids, the uh, Mega Mans, yeah. in the way it plays. It's really fun. The boss battles uh-huh. are good. The story is great. There's lots of side quests. So all these t- people in the towns you meet give you all sorts of side quests to find items or you know, do something. And um, But yeah. beautiful. Beautiful visual game. Great control and play. And the story is very interesting. It's got yeah. this nice little mystery, that, and you have choices. They kind of vie for the one or the other. So again, our Mass Effect type of stories where we're getting to choose whether we're going to be good or bad, and I like that. That's cool. So, that but, reminds me of another game. I'm sure it's different, but uh, did you ever play Guacamelee? No. I heard of it. <laughs> never heard never of it. played it. No. Yeah, it's a Metroid-style side-scrolling exploration puzzle-solving game, right? Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. but uh, it's it's sort of a Mexican. It's got uh, the luchador theme. Yeah, luchador theme. Oh, weird. With like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, folk, you know, Mexican folklore type stuff in it. Really cool looking game and really great controls and gameplay. Wow, sounds yeah. different. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good game. So, you know, and I think that's kind of wrapping up my journey for this this last couple of weeks, you know, my game playing. I, I've been, it's been the music, it's been the art and the story. And I didn't really get to talking about the music, but... I find that, the, especially with the video games, music in these games, I'm looking at my list of like Skyrim and Dust and then Final Fantasy Exvius, another Final Fantasy game I've been playing a lot of, um, you know, are just, there's just this thing about the music and the story and the visuals that all just bring this immersive experience that has captivating and it gets me all, uh, I get captured in it, I get lost in the, the worlds and the lore and... I like that. I mean, yeah. that's that. I, yeah. I don't know if that shows up in my kind of board gaming, the kind of games I pursue in that regard, but I think so. I think there's a lot of crossover. Personally, I don't find the soundtrack of Skyrim all that inspiring, but <laughs> it's just boring, sweeping, standard fantasy stuff. That's not the sort of music that I get into. The sort of the sort of video game music that I love. Okay, so my top video game soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah. Katamari Damacy. Yeah, that's a fun one. Persona. Okay, Always has amazing one. soundtracks. And Ace Attorney that I was talking about oh, later. Yeah. That's fantastic <laughs> music. Yeah, I've heard that too. <laughs> I actually, as a kid, I owned on CD both the orchestral Ace Attorney soundtrack version where they recorded it with a full orchestra and also the jazz version that they did with a jazz band of all the different <laughs> songs. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Well, there you go. Any uh, others for you, Ryan? Any other games you played? Um, no, I mean, there are a few more, but uh, I think we can uh, jump into our next section. Unless you had another one you want to talk about? I'm good. Okay. I'm golden. Thank you. All right. All right. So I wanted to talk about a recent release. Yeah. Uh, Above and Below Groves. So, Brenna, what is what is that? So Above and Below Groves is a new sort of promo that we've put out where it creates these new options in Above and Below where you have these Groves cards that you can uh, put out and like depending on what order you put them out in, they can give you like bonus points and such. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when you put them in your village, if they're adjacent to a certain card, then they give extra points. Yeah. Now the interesting thing about the Groves, well, first I should say it is a, um, it's on the, 
I don't know if it is yet, but it should be soon on it's the Board yet. Game Geek store. Okay. Yeah, it will yeah. be on the Board Game Geek yeah. store. It's something we made for the Board Game Geek store, and it's 10 cards, and you put it next to the game uh, setup, and it is another place you can explore. So you can go in the caves if you want to, or you can go and explore the groves. Now, when you explore the groves, you don't read a story, but you can see the rewards you're going to get. Yeah. And you, when you take that card, yeah, like Brenna said, you put it in your village, uh, in the top row instead of the bottom row, instead of the caves. And if it's next to certain cards, it'll give points. And um, when you play with this, normally, you know, we've never made it a rule where you can't move buildings around because it doesn't really matter. But if you're playing with the groves, as soon as you place a building adjacent to another building, it's got to stay there. Yeah, your tableau is set yeah. because you can potentially get bonuses for it. Right, right. So you have to do some planning to try to make sure that the, you know, the trees are next to the right building. But it, you know, it just adds another fun way to play the game. So when you do those, do you have, you start with your, your, your bed. Everybody starts with a bed card. They're in your, uh, or there's a building that has three beds, right? Starting yes, card. you start, so, yeah. So does the grove, the first grove card, if you got it right on your first action, would it go next to that card? Or can you leave spaces between them? No, no. it would go next to next it. Next to it directly. Yeah. And then, yeah. okay. I mean, you could put it on, you could put it on the right or left side. There's no like limitation on right. that. But. but then if you do your next card and you did like another grove, could you do that? Or would you have to build a building? Then no, you could just, I mean, your whole village could just be trees <laughs> if you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But uh, I don't know if you would win that way. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it could happen. Yeah, I remember when we play tested. When we playtested Groves, we were also playtesting another yeah, promo another card. Yeah, another promo card. And I beat you using that promo card when I didn't do any Groves, and you did all the Groves. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's not a guaranteed win, but you can do some interesting stuff with, with the Groves. Yeah, that's true. So a couple of other things we've been working on. Uh, we've been... I hesitate to say this. But uh, I've been working on Empires of the Void again. (laughs) (laughs) Some people are going to be very excited to hear that. I pretty much, every time I finish a game, it's like, okay, now I can go back to Empires of the Void again. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, this time, I'm really uh, excited about the the developments. Yeah, I was going to say, this time, the question is, Will it actually make it all the way through? And are we going to get a real second edition coming out? Yeah, I would say uh, yes. I'm really happy with the current prototype. And um, I've played it a few times since you guys, after oh, you yeah? guys played it. Yeah, I played it a few times after that. And um, really, really like it. It's, I feel like it's more what I wanted it to be. And it, I feel like it, it fits sort of a, a niche that... Uh, or is it niche? I don't know. Either. Yeah. Whatever. Um, that just, hasn't been... Um, just like either or either. Either or either. It can be either or either way. Oh, all right. <laughs> either. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like it um, It fits that shorter play time that I was going for. I mean, there are so many 4X Space Empire games that take three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hours. Right, yeah. Uh, and... We have those, you know. I mean, if you want that, you have many options. Um, so the goal with with Empires, uh, especially this new version, is to have it, you know, be a two-hour or less than two-hour game. Because I, you know, sometimes I want to play that space game, but I don't have three, four hours to play. Yep. Right. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm really excited. 
I want to say congratulations. I'm so excited <laughs> to hear that. I mean, as a fan and, you know, and, and as part of the team now and seeing this progress, you know, I remember, and I think we, we, let me just say this real quick. We have a new website that we just launched. Oh, yeah. So people can check that out. Uh, well, you know, a year or so ago, you put out a production diary and you talked about Empires of the Void, Ignition, or War of the Void, or something at that time that you were working on. And I remember the agony of hearing your voice as you were just like <laughs> talking about all the numerations and versions and, and where it's coming back and forth and just working through and just the, the, the I don't know if you call it writer's block, but like just these these challenges that you're just trying to work through. Yeah, It's so exciting to hear and almost arc <laughs> us to the present and, and see that. And if people are interested, they should go and check on the website. I think under the Empire of the Void page, they can see that production, oh, a production thing. Uh, journal, block. diary thing that yeah. you did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... I could say I've made many versions of the game through throughout the years because I love that I love the setting, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to get it right. And I think I was sort of going down the euro path a little too much. You know, I was I was leaning a lot toward that and so some a lot of the games we would play and I would be on I would be they would not be satisfying. Yeah. At the end of the game there would be so much, uh, you know, fiddling with your guys and points and action points and cards and and there wasn't enough player interaction, which is what I think sets the game apart. You know, that kind of game, you need a lot of player interaction, in my opinion. So I've sort of moved back toward more of the... What's funny is after making all those versions, the new version is a lot closer to the original than any of those other versions were. I sort of went back to the original and just tweaked a few things, and uh, now I'm happy with it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's working really well. Like, when we playtested it, there was a lot more player interaction than when we played the original game. It was faster moving. Much faster. Yeah. It was a lot faster to play. It was a lot simpler. It was a lot, like, freer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's like, true. Like, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And even, you know, even with you saying that, I would say that it has more strategy yeah. than the old version. Like, it there, has... there's, it seems like there are more options and more paths to victory. Like, I say it's simpler, but by that I mean it's easier to see a strategy and to see and understand, like, what strategies might get you yeah. where. Like, there's fewer little bits to juggle, yeah. so it's easier to develop a more complicated strategy because the pieces are yeah. less complicated. Yeah, and I'll add on to what you're saying, Brennan. There, when we learned and played the the original yeah. to relearn and kind of refresh on it when we were you know playtesting that and just trying to get it back into a repertoire and a mindset. Yeah. It took a long time to teach that. But it when did. we learned <laughs> this one, I think we were playing within five minutes. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really faster easy. to learn. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, when we played when we were playing the original, we were playing with all of the uh, key to the universe extra stuff. Yeah. Which adds a ton to the game. I mean it adds a ton of all these different actions and this gigantic tech tree that you can see every tech and you can read every one of them. Um, basically, sort of just in a nutshell, I'll say that I took most of that and boiled it down into cards, right? Yeah. So I'm sure as time goes on, we'll talk more about it, but that's kind of what happened in a nutshell. So. Cool. Yeah. So look forward to hearing more news about this as it develops. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay, so that leaves us. We're going to skip right down to the... Tip of the week. Shouldn't we do 
questions first? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Let's do questions. Wait, wait, first. before we do that, I mean, we're all going out a lot of order. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have one thing. It's not on the paper, and I want to just include this. I think it's important, and I think you'll agree this is kind of a good one. So I saw uh, there is a, a a podcast out there or a, um, a reviewer that is doing a Kickstarter right now, and uh, as of this moment in time, it ends in ten days. That's Man versus Meeple. And by the time you guys Correct. hear this episode, uh, it'll probably still be there for three, four, or five days or something, something like that. But we have a unique promo that's also uh, in there. And I think there's like, they, you can, if you fund and you crowdfund, you know, that you have the chance of choosing different promotions for different games. We have a unique one for um, uh, Islebound. Do you want me real quick to tell you a little bit about that one or just. Yeah, no, yeah. so it's, it's a pirate ship. Right. And um, the pirate ship. It, it changes the way the treasure map works. So if you want to, if you want to dig for treasure, hunt for treasure, hunt for treasure, you actually have to go to the pirate ship and you have to battle the pirate. Right. Um, which is interesting. And then you get to move the pirate and perhaps exact revenge on one of the other players. Yeah. Where the pirate <laughs> yeah. lands, then each of those players are going to lose two resources. Uh, yeah. Everybody, you know, it's there. And but it can be your money, but it could also be. The fish tokens could also be the wood tokens, right. and then that will go onto the treasure map. So that if somebody fights the pirate ship, they might get all this stuff that's now been lost by the other players. Right. right. Yeah. So you can go back the man versus meeple Kickstarter and pick up the pirate ship for Islebound. Well, it's still there. Yeah. 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 So it's about right. ten days left as of this recording. There you go. And then we have we have a listener question from Jeff Moore who sent this in on August 31st, so he's been <laughs> very patiently waiting for his answer. Yeah. So I want to make Thanks. sure Hopefully we get to him. Hopefully it's a decent answer. I can't promise anything, yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of a two-part question. He starts out, if and when you do the podcast again. <laughs> I have a question. So I used to draw a lot as a young man. What inspired me was comic books. I was wondering if Ryan was inspired by comic books growing up. So when I was a kid, I read a ton of Calvin and Hobbes. That was my, that was my comic strip that I read, and I have mm. tons of books. I never got into what you would say, what you would call like traditional American comics, um, until I was a teenager. I didn't really get into manga either. Mm. Um, but I'm trying to think. Oh, I did really get into sort of indie comics, uh, right? Right when I was about 15 or 16, I love the sort of the simple style. I'm, it's hard to describe. I'm trying to think of some of them. Yeah, just, and you know, lots of web comics. I started yeah, to read yeah. lots of web comics. So. so, what are a few of your favorite web comics? Oh, and now you put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite web comics? Some of my favorite web comics Paranatural, Cucumber yeah. Quest. Oh, yeah. Cucumber Quest. Cucumber Quest is really good. See, there's one called Cafe Amargo that's really cool. I yeah. read a lot of webcomics. There's, there's one that I really love called Copper. Oh, yeah? Um, and uh, I don't think it's uh, it's currently running anymore, but uh, the, the author, he's done a lot of uh, graphic novels. You can mm. buy them at Barnes & Noble now. It, it's a series called Amulet. Oh, oh, I've heard yeah. of Amulet. Heard of those. Yeah. yeah, Amulet. Yeah. Anyway, before Amulet, he did Copper. So you should go oh, online okay. and look for Copper. They're really, they're gorgeous. They're really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Actually, the same, uh, it's, I think his name is 
Kazu Kibuishi or something like that. Sorry if I got that wrong, but yeah. <laughs> um, he also did the Harry Potter covers, uh, one version of the Harry Potter covers. Oh, so yeah. I really like that. Interesting. That's like his work. I have no reference on uh, on web comics or stuff. I mean, Schlock Mercenary and Penny Arcade are probably the <laughs> yeah, only I've, two. Yeah, I've read some Schlock Mercenary. That I've yeah. 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 No, but it's it's true as far as comics go. Like what you're talking about. Like you were never really into superhero comics or manga. If you want to talk, of the three of us, if you want to talk superhero comics, talk to Andrew. Yes. If you want to talk manga, talk to me. Yeah. You can, <laughs> Anything uh, else, come my way. Anything else, go to Ryan. On my handle, uh, my Twitter handle, at hey, Ender hey, Frick. Oh, oh, hey, oh, save oh, Twitters oh. for the end. Okay, sorry. I'm just trying to break my mistake from last, last time. <laughs> we didn't know what it was. Yes. Yeah, okay, sorry. Second part of okay. uh, Jeff's question was... Uh, is there any chance of Ryan of a Ryan Lockett-designed superhero board game? You know, I thought about one about a year ago, mm-hmm. and I was trying to design it. And I would, you know, I think at some point I have to make a superhero game, right? <laughs> yeah, you got <laughs> it. I haven't done you gotta. it. If it was a superhero game, it probably wouldn't be like a traditional style. It wouldn't be like a Marvel-style superhero yeah. game. It would mm-hmm. be based on something else. We'd probably make up a setting for it. But it, you know, su- the best superhero stories are in like a big city, right? Most of them yeah. are. You got to have a big city, but maybe we'd make up the city, you know, make up the heroes. Well, of course, we'd have to make up the heroes, but it could be. Yeah. A, I, I had this great idea. I mean, I really did, and we'll see if it ever happens. <laughs> yeah, right, I'm so liking what I'm hearing. That. Okay. Yeah, so that wait and see, maybe. Yeah. Now we're done with that. So now it's time for the tip, tip, tip of the week. The tip of the week is gather inspiration from things that are not board games. So I think it's easy as a designer and as enthusiasts in this industry to sort of get stuck in the industry, you know, looking at other games for inspiration. But I think some of the best ideas I've had have come from other, you know, or other inspirations. You know, I love to read. I love to... um, play video games. I love to watch movies. And it's great to sort of go out of your way, get out of your comfort zone. And some of the best, you'll find the best things outside of the thing that you're always doing every day. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a a lot of industries get that way, like especially when it's sort of a tight knit community around a hobby where it like it becomes almost something of an echo chamber of people just reflecting their ideas back at each other. And I'm not saying, like, that's a huge problem (laughs) in the board game community and I'm criticizing all board game designers. I mean, that word was floating around in my head. There is definitely an echo chamber effect in, you know, in in probably in every industry. But um, I can see it in board games, you know? Oh, I absolutely. Right? You know, I'm... A byproduct of it myself. Like, <laughs> me too. When I look you know. at like I play a game and someone's teaching me the rules, I cannot help but say, "Oh, kind of like the mechanic in this game." Oh, oh, I see. That's kind of like this. Oh, it's kind of like using like that same thing that they did in this game yeah. and just doing that. And it probably drives whoever's explaining the rules to me <laughs> crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, as a designer, when people do that, it's like, okay, <laughs> yes, this is in ten other games. <laughs> right. You know, in fact, when I, you know, in the short time I've been here and, and talking to Ryan and, and Brenna. When um, we introduce a, a concept, maybe for a prototype or something, and, the, and he uses the buzzword of like, 
X type of game, I immediately think, I gotta go to my game collection. I'm gonna grab stacks and stacks of games of this type. We're gonna bring them in, we'll have them for research, we can play them all and learn them all, and then we have it in a repertoire, all at our disposal, all these different things, and that will help us get the best new game using all the parts of all, the, and, and it's it's the opposite, right? It's the opposite of what you're saying. This is, I mean, I think this is very good advice because how many of us do that? We just kind of say, well, a deck builder is this, this, and this, or a cooperative game is this, this, and this, or a game that has a draft mechanic must be this way, this way, this way, using what's there. And and if you even look at, you know, a 10-year span in our industry, the game industry, you know, how many games have really shooken up, let's just say, a deck builder or a co-op? And I think the ones that do, aren't those the ones that are the usually the most successful or the ones that people really... It does Talk seem about. like it, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's it's easier when you go outside of a particular genre for inspiration to to innovate and to shake things up and to come up with something like new and unexpected and to sort of get rid of those ideas of what a certain thing should be. You know, like there's always those accepted rules. I think you get that in video games a lot too as well as board games where it's like okay well i'm gonna go get a rpg game and what i expect is this this and this and these are the mechanics that i expect to be in it this is the type of story this is the type of art but like some of the most interesting video games are the interesting indie games that are something completely new that don't fit into any of those triple a genres that bring in ideas from outside of what has become the accepted video game pool you know right right that's fascinating yeah yeah i think so you know what i've always wanted Mm -hmm. is like a huge space empire 4x game where uh you know you're building your empire whatever and then when it comes time for a battle you get to like get into a cockpit and like go around and be one of the fighters, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or or something like I want to. I want a dexterity <laughs> element mixed in with like a big strategy video game. So like, what <laughs> you're playing Civilization or something yeah. like that, and then, then suddenly you just go down, goes to, the down to the ground level, and it's like a, a real time strategy. Well, yeah, game. and that's what a lot of a lot of my favorite games, even a lot of my favorite AAA games, are the ones that mix mix genres. Yeah. Like I was mentioning Persona earlier, that that's like your hardcore dungeon crawler JRPG mixed with almost like a like a slice of life Sims kind of game because what you do is basically you just spend your days like going to school and choosing what clubs to go and what to study and like building your stats and building relationships with people and then at night you go fight through these intense dungeons <laughs> so that's that's, that's definitely mix. the sort of thing yeah. that I like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean that said as a designer, I certainly rely on, you know, sort of the building bricks and am inspired by many Euro games and many games that come out in, in the industry. So yeah, sure. I, I, I say this, I, I know you can't, you can't just abandon everything and throw it to the wind. And But it's good to bring in new ideas, too, to add on top oh, of sure. that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we're tethered to the industry, and we, we know it. We try to stay up to, to current and yeah. try to play. We were just playing the, those games at Board Game Geek Con. Yeah. You know, the newest ones. We're, we're, I think we... St- I don't think we've uh, we've gone the way of the dinosaur in that regard. We're, we're, we're keeping I mean, up with the times. You know the, the other. <laughs> so the other side of the coin is I hear people say, "Well, I, I knew this guy once, and uh, he said I have this idea for a board game," 
and it's sort of like this. And I said, oh, that sounds like A, B, C, D, and E. You should check those out. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to play any board games. I don't want anything to influence me at all. And I think that's a, a, a recipe for failure. <laughs> well, yeah, because if... The opposite extreme. Yeah, Because like, gotcha. you, you do need to know what's been going on because like you can't say, well, I'm going to create a completely new fantasy movie and I'm going to do that by never having read any fantasy books or, or watched, watched any, any fantasy, fantasy movies, movies and it's going to be so new and original and inspirational because of that you come back you've made a Tolkien like uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings like if you don't if you don't know what's out there you'll probably you'll probably repeat it you just won't yeah. know that you're repeating it yeah it's like you don't know what ground has been tread so exactly. you don't know where what what is it like exploration you know it might be new to you but, it's but not it might not be new to else. the genre because <laughs> just because you've isolated your, yourself completely from it doesn't mean you've got new ideas. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's true. I think to sum it all up, it comes down to stay, understand, you know, those those tropes or those things that are there, and use those, but don't rely on them and don't make them a crutch. And don't don't get stuck there. Don't, don't get, get so there, stuck yeah. within board games and only board games that that's all you can see. Like, yeah, go outside and. Uh, outside of that, read books, watch movies, play video games, and get inspiration from outside of there as well. And that's what's going to lead yeah. you to be able to make good, new, innovative games. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I've never designed a game, but I, just like many, have thought about doing game design you know, over the years. And my, my criteria was I need to be as sharp and on top of every game that comes out and everything out there so I know that I'm not making something derivative of something else. Let me tell you, folks, uh, there's over a thousand board games coming out every yeah. year. And if yeah. you think you, you can stay on top of all those games, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're fooling yourself. <laughs> well, so, food for thought. That's true. And if, if you're so obsessed with not being derivative, you can make something that's just completely unfun as well. Some things are received wisdom because they're actually wise. You know, like some things are actually good and that's oh, why yeah. they're a cliche. And, yeah, that's you know? because it works. Because it yeah. works. And doing something just for the sake of being new and different isn't always a good idea. Because, yeah. you know, people, there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, being innovative and coming up with new stuff, which is definitely a great thing to, to aspire to, as long as it, all, it also works. I mean, and if it fails, great, that's fine too. I mean, being a creator is, is uh, you're, you're going to have failures. Right. Yeah. But you have to know what's a failure and just move past it and just know that it's a learning experience. What I take from all of this is when we do Empires of the Void, the new version, we need to make sure we have a big <laughs> monolith in the game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can tip our hat to the, to, to the genre. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, everybody. Thank you. Uh, yeah. you can uh, visit our website, redravengames.com, and it's a new website, so it's going to be super cool. If you See the beautiful new design, and if uh, you have any feedback on the website or questions for the podcast, you can uh, add us on Twitter, at redravengame, no S, or email me. My email address is brenna at redravengames.com. Uh, you can follow the podcast on iTunes or on SoundCloud. Please, you know, rate and subscribe because that really helps us out a lot. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Brenna underscore Asplund. 
and Andrew. Yes, here we go. At EnderFrick1. He's new to Twitter, so be nice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then I think I think we should come up with a new sign-off phrase. I think we should come up with a better one. Okay. Here's. All right. Here's, do you, do you here's have my, one idea? I have an idea. Okay. I have an idea. Okay. So we'll, we're, we'll see how we're good Red is. Raven Games, right? Yeah. So, nevermore. Nevermore. That's a good. That's a good one, right? Okay. <laughs> nevermore. Go have a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs>